Hi, Rachel. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Pretty satisfied, if I've got to say. Okay. I, I don't got to say it. No one's got a gun against my head, but I am saying that that's the case. Uh, we are here to talk about a television show that we have watched. We have finished the first yeah. season of it. And what show would that be? The Expanse. And now we are here to look back and talk about it as a whole. Go over our opinions, our thoughts, the high points, the low points, any interesting details and uh, things that have been uh, bubbling in our brains upon the reflection when it comes to it. Because now, having finished it, we can take a step back and have a finer appreciation for the journey that we were taken on. Mm -hmm. And maybe some of the things that happened in those episodes long ago now have uh, been peeking in the brain over all of this time. Mm -hmm. So, Rachel, why are we called Yum Yum Podcast? For those who are tuning in for the first ever time, why are we called that? We're called Yum Yum because Ryan fell in love with a very stupid line from Star Trek Discovery. This line was said in an episode of season two where a individual was propositioned by Space Hitler, basically. Oscar-winning actress, Michelle Yeoh to go kill the antagonist and this individual who cannot in earnest be called a character she does have a name though commander 9d what do you think the d stands for i don't care flicks her hair Ryan maintains that she sexily licks her lips. It does happen. And says, yum, yum. And we, both of us, fell out of our chairs when we saw that happen on modern television. We, Our jaws just hit the floor, tongue rolled out of our mouths, eyes shot out in a zing, 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 zoom effect like an old Tex Avery cartoon. And we thought, this is where modern science fiction television is at. And that's why we didn't watch The Expanse when it was coming out. Because we were too busy marveling at what was the yum yum moment. Yum yum. Just to touch base on the history and the relationship yes. with The Expanse. Uh, I did watch some of those mm -hmm. episodes when they first aired. That week to week basis. Uh, but I, I just didn't really gravitate towards it. And at the time, I was just so preoccupied with life that I just wasn't giving the show the the attention it clearly desired you from the either viewer. You didn't have space for it in your life at the time. Yes, I didn't have the space for it in my life. Instead, I had Star Trek Discovery to take it up. Instead, it's the modern sci-fi show I watched. But yeah. at some point, I dropped off watching it midway through that first season, and I never really looked back. Uh, every now and then, no. someone, I knew, someone I know would say, hey, have you watched The Expanse? And I would say, no, I haven't. And then I would ask them, have they? And I would get two responses. No, but I think it's up your alley. Or two, yeah, I watched it for a bit. 
and then they and then they stopped. Yeah, I've known no one in my life who's finished the show. You got it also in tandem with recommendations for Farscape. Which, which was always on the list. We did watch. We did watch that eventually, but that's always been on the list for my entire life. So, yes. Now, for you, you have a pretty, uh, if people, if you have not listened to our first episode discussion, uh, you're right, missing uh, out on the shocking revelation know. that Rachel had with about. the Expanse. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Please. <laughs> please, please, please tell us all about your wild history with The Expanse. Well, you watched it when we were together. You watched it on your own. You didn't ask me. You were like, oh, I'm just going to check out this thing. And you, you, you did that, and I did not engage with it. I did not look at it. I did not think about it. I did not talk about it. And then, you know, we, we sat down and watched that first episode. What else, Rachel? What Nothing. else? Nothing else. Do I have to play the clip from the first episode with an echoey sound effect to make it sound like it's from the past? Or are you just going to be frank with the yumlings who are our listeners and even the patrons who are the people that paid to hear this first before it came out on the main feed? Well, are you going to be honest with everyone and tell the truth? Or are you going to keep your lips tight and tell porky pies? I... I, I... Lying by your mission isn't as bad <laughs> in this specific context. Which is? Uh, no. Uh, which is that I misremembered and misunderstood the era of which this show came. Um, so it turns out that it's like, you know, 20, like, late 2010s show. Mm -hmm. um, and part of, you know, prestige television and a sci-fi production, which was... Yeah, sci-fi channel. Yes, yes. Not what I thought it was. That's all. Oh, oh, you don't want to say what decade you thought it was from. No. Okay. No, I don't. Play the clip, Brian. Well, in my head, for some reason, The Expanse went along with Lost in Space. Yes. But not the remake of Lost in Space. What, the original? You thought this was a 1960s television series we were yes. watching? <laughs> no, Rachel, this is a modern show. This finished like a year or two ago, yeah, a couple of years ago. Oh, my Lord. I know, right? So, so it wait, wait, could you, please, could, could, could you please tell us all? What what you thought this nineteen sixty science fiction TV series called The Expanse is going to be? I'm 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 gobsmacked, absolutely gobsmacked by this. You you had an impression of the show walking in, but you are now beyond the point that you originally watched, and you've seen the complete package of the first season. So. What do you think of it now? It's an interesting beast of a show because I was really walking in expecting to see how the past version of myself got this so wrong to, to drop off and not continue watching to the end of the season. And 
I, again, having go through this, I understood why I did that because even now there were just large swaths of this where it just didn't grab me enough where it was saying, hey, you have to stop everything and finish this show. It didn't have that kick in the balls effect like some other TV shows that I have watched in their first season. But hey, first seasons of science fiction shows can often be slow, can be a bit dry, they're figuring things out, I'm forgiving. Now, actually having finished it all, I enjoyed it overall. It wasn't the most uh, groundbreaking thing I've ever seen. And one of the elements that I, I, I still have to come to grips with when it comes to this series is it's a lot more uh, tropey and uh, kind of corny and cheesy in that sci-fi genre-loving way where we have evil scientists who are playing with blue goo because they want to start a war so that they can use more blue goo. It has some of that classic science fiction mumbo-jumbo, and I was looking at this far more as this uh, really grounded, gritty, uh, not-like-your-granddad-science-fiction type series, and that there is that is definitely in there. Of course, they have a lot of attention to detail to the technicals of the world, but again, I think walking out, that was the thing that I was most surprised about, was there was a lot more of that uh, silliness that I love in science fiction television uh, that I wasn't really expecting to be popping up in The Expanse. I thought, uh, and this isn't a negative, this is just a, a pleasant little surprise of, hey, this does kind of remind me of Farscape in a lot of ways, or hey, this does remind me of Babylon 5 in a lot of ways. For you... What are your general thoughts uh, walking out? Because walking in, you didn't have too much of an impression. You didn't even know when the show was from, let alone what its reputation was. So how are you now? The note that I wrote down for myself was that I knew nothing. Walking into the show, obviously I managed to completely misconceive the show like a uh, space sci-fi show I got that much right I got a lot of other things really wrong but I got that much right but I could, I could describe a lot of different things a lot of different things but I, I agree with you about like the sort of the Babylon 5 comparisons especially when it comes to the political stuff and I enjoyed watching it post watching Space Above and Beyond because of the way that they structure their political system uh, really sort of shaded the way that I saw and engaged with what we're given in the expanse. Like it's not it's not carbon copy, but uh, like both of them have a very sort of similar vision of the UN becoming the the leaders of Earth in a much more direct way than they are now in 2023. 
and both when it comes to the expanse and more so Babylon 5, but space above and beyond as well, they use the landscape of politics to be a prism in which they tell their science fiction story because a lot of science fiction, most of science fiction, is often social commentary. And if you're having a political aspect... Yeah, if you're having a political aspect in there, that just lends further credence to that because many of the decisions or many of the struggles that exist in our society often does does tie back to that, does tie back into politics or leadership or making those world-changing decisions uh, and what are the mentalities that people have behind those. And obviously, with Space Above and Beyond and Babylon 5 and The Expanse, it is about the verge of war coming on and or war has come. What do you do when that approaches? One thing I just want to hear from you, because we also watched this fairly recently, uh-huh. just 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 quickly, because I don't want to forget about it. Is it weird to you that this is not like Battlestar Galactica in terms of being a gritty science fiction show because I feel like Battlestar was far more dour and far more we're greedy because their camera's handheld and scenes and people are saying things with Mm -hmm. gritted teeth and I like Battlestar Galactica more than you did but I just wanted to get your quick opinion on that. Um, I hadn't really drawn too many comparisons of Battlestar and The Expanse when we were watching it. Like since we finished the season like a couple of days ago, those kind of ideas have been bubbling to the surface a bit more. But for me, it's just such a striking difference because Battlestar is so in the shadow of 9-11. You say. Yeah. And... The, the war on terrorism and it's so specific paranoia to that time and that political mess that was the reality at the time whereas this one i align more with space above and beyond babylon 5 because they're not tied to very specific time periods in that same way in terms of it being a reaction to it. Like Space Above and Beyond is really tied to a lot of World War II stuff, but it's not a reaction to World War II. It's more of a retelling. And then Babylon 5 more often than not takes a step back and tries to see the overall pattern in the conflicts and explore that rather than the direct conflict. And that's what I get from The Expanse as well, where there's a each story we're following is a, is a different uh, separation or segmentation of that idea, where we have, say, Holden and his crew, they're, they're at the front lines of this verging war. They're at the front lines. They're at the epicenter of it. There they are being attacked by the stealth ship that's going to spark off conflict between these these warring groups. And then you have Miller. He's he's the next one that's a bit further out where he's investigating. He's coming up with the evidence and the clues and he's 
figuring these things out and tying it all together. And then the further step out, even though she is the most uh, powerful, you have Avasalara, where she's all the way on the other side of the system, and she's having to uh, pick at the little bits of information she has to try and stop the things. And I think each one of those comments on how there are those patterns within yeah. society as well. And uh, we will get into all of those characters a bit more throughout our discussion, but I do think that it's really interesting that Christian, who is the most powerful is also the one who is least in control. If Aaron Wright really did have Frank killed, then you're not safe here either. I will be for a time, so long as I play a familiar role, the stubborn old woman, eyes locked on yesterday's game, too blind to see the world has passed her by. What are some of your favorite moments in this season? I really like the monologue about the churn. I really enjoyed that moment. And I think it gives you a lot of insight into the character, into the world. There were lots of little moments with the world building that I did really like. I was worried that, like, I came off as bashing the setup for everything a bit earlier. But there are a lot of really nice moments where it just assumes that you're smart enough to notice things. Another moment that I really enjoyed was the stupid sort of goriness of Miller fishing around for that thing in the corpse's body. Oh, yes. You really did get a kick out of that when he's stabbing it and keeps missing the spot and then he keeps stabbing it and jamming it around to get that cybernetic crap. He doesn't care. (laughs) He's just flesh and bones at this point. Who cares? Um, I, I appreciated that. Another moment that stands out is Miller's conversation with the Mormon. That's my favorite scene in the whole show at the moment. That scene is a standout in terms of utilizing all of the material. It gives us the Mormons, which are this interesting aspect to this series that makes it very much uh, depart from what other of like what other science fiction shows do. Because I never again I never see the Mormons I never see them in these. They're they're just not there. And so that's hilarious. But again, it gives you Miller on his journey. We get a great insight into how he feels about having departed Mm -hmm. and where he's going and the anxieties. You get the world building about... Leaving home for the first time. You get all of this great world building stuff about how, uh, especially with someone like a belter, there's this almost aggregoria fear of having leaving home and getting out of there and you get paranoid. But the conversation about faith, the conversation about doing it, even if you fail, is just a test. It's just another Mm -hmm. thing to uh, challenge you. I I was really surprised by that scene because yeah. it came out of nowhere, but it 
hammered in the character arcs and the themes that this mm-hmm. series was doing in a way that I found not only substantive and subtle and nuanced, but I, I found it deeply, deeply engaging. I was just wanting to stay with those two characters talking to one another. We never even learned that Mormon's name. He's just Mormon. Nope. He's probably never going to show up again, but he's going to be someone I think about a lot because he also challenged my my no, like my ideas of what the Mormons can offer up because they've been a punchline for the show. Yep. Uh, they've been this dorky, weird, oddball group, and they're... And even in that episode, they they counter this beautiful scene here with showing their ship have a big gold statue and just giving us the 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 great notion that we already hold about the Mormons, which is they're they're grandiose and opulent gaudy. and gaudy and sickening, and yet we can still have a human, we can still have a person, we can still have a man with not only integrity but he has the ability to think and he has the ability to comprehend and Mm -hmm. has the ability of self-reflection. Yep. Truly my favorite scene of the show, just had to steal because that was like the one thing I wrote down (laughs) in my favorites. I had a couple, but I was like, that scene there was just really crazy. I have a couple of others, but would you like to take the lead? Well, you're hitting upon some of the smaller and funny stuff. Uh, I really got a kick out of the visual storytelling that helped provide information for us about the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. So the train system on series that would be flying around in those tunnels that they've built through the asteroid belt. and The tank back on Earth. The tank back on Earth with the, the, the belter in it and they're interviewing him to help him with gravity. Uh, the fact that when you're on different ships, they have different styles of technology. So the Martians do use holographic screens and they're color-coded to orange, I do believe, or some color for them. And then with the belters, they have buttons and knobs and all of that. And then when you're on Earth, they have kind of the the, the see-through tablets and, and glass and touch screens. And I love all of those attentions to details, even right down to doors in the future, where Julie, a real door, a real, a really cool way to do a futuristic door that we can understand without it just being a sliding swoosh door like in Star Trek or even <laughs> Babylon Five. But the, even the attention to detail that Julie's such a paranoid woman that she has fifteen million deadlocks on her door, which is mm-hmm. just really wonderful. But uh, another moment that I really liked that is small, and we went over it qu- pretty well in our discussion, so I won't hammer it too much in, but Fred Johnson preparing to give his speech. Yep. He's not only just going over it, but he's 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 messing up. He's making sure how to emphasize how he introduces himself. Really uh, deciding what his tone is going to be. That is the type of uh, content in The Expanse Mm -hmm. that I think about more than the big action set pieces or the moments where people get betrayed or killed or give a big grandiose speech about their moral standings. Look, I love. Neither of us have mentioned his speech about accusing Mars of attacking Mm. the Cant. 
neither of us have referenced, like in this part of the discussion, the stealth ship fights. No. They're fine. They're they're not what we're here for. Like they're they're of decent quality. The CGI is quality when it comes to the ships. Uh the speech is, is solid and you see why it gets picked up in the way that it does. But that's not where we feel rewarded as viewers. No, no. And one of my other thing things that I really adored in the show is with no joking around, with no silliness to it, but it's an obvious statement, but having the UN be this body that rules Earth and whenever we cut over to them, it gives us a different way of exploring the story. And why I say not a joke and anything, because when we do talk about this sh- show, we always just gush about like Avasalar and the UN is the best side of the show. And yes, it is. But it doesn't mean the thing, the other things are lesser than. There's a reason why it stands out and there's a reason why it's a favorite of mine as it is for you as well. Yeah. And it comes back to what we've been talking about with Battlestar Galactica and Babylon 5 and even in part Space Above and Beyond. Mm-hmm. Being able to use this side of society, politics, yeah. to... Uh, in uh, to to tell the story of your big science fiction war show space opera, yeah, and to have the the absolute determination to let the audience sit down with uh, a person just talking, because most of Christian's scenes, if not all of them, are her sitting down and talking. Talking, talking, talking. That's more exciting to me than Miller getting into a gunfight or Holden having a shouting match of who should take power. Her, this woman of uh, you know many years and many, 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 many experiences in her lifetime, having a quiet conversation about what's the best way to handle a situation that could potentially spin out into something more deadly. I could watch a whole episode of that. I could watch a whole episode of Christian just talking to Aaron Wright. I could just watch that. If that's the case, we warn Mars that they exploit this situation at their own peril. We crack down hard on Ceres and the OPA, and then we expose the truth and nail Fred Johnson to it. I always like the side of you. The other favorite moment I had, and I'm surprised we we haven't mentioned it, mm-hmm. it is when all of them get together yeah. at the at the, in the tail end of the show mm-hmm. when they meet up at that hotel and Miller's a badass and he's taking charge of the group mm-hmm. and Amos is looking fondly at this new friend like, of theirs. Uh, he chooses violence too. That is the magic of the season where we've had all of these separate storylines and now here some of them are converging. Colliding and intertwining. And that is just a classic moment of 
entertainment. This is the stuff that you watch TV for. Mm-hmm. These ongoing storylines that just go on and on and on. And maybe you wonder, okay, when is it going to explode? When is it going to just snap, crackle, and pop? And that was the moment. Mm-hmm. We waited so many episodes and they come together and it was more than I was expecting. I didn't really think of Holden and Miller being this buddy duo team that was just this, uh, I hate you and I hate you too. Yet it totally makes sense. And yet I I wasn't really thinking about what their dynamic would be. But as soon as Miller enters their storyline, it's so apparent and it's so apparent in the best of ways. Let's Flip the script. Okay. And talk about some of our least favorite moments. Well, I'm going to be nice and not say I have lock one first. Okay. Oh, it's going to be hard. One of my least favorite moments, and this is a recurring issue that we have had in the back half of the show, and maybe this would be apparent in the first half if we re- if we rewatch it, but in the back half we know who our characters are well enough to know when the show is making them stupid for no reason other than drama. Yeah, sake. like um, oh, this needs to happen, so this character needs to do this. There were there were quite a few moments like that where it's like oh convenience strikes again the first we really took note of with this was when uh after the churn speech that amos gives which gives us a truly detailed insight into this character and how he views the world and how he operates within it uh he leaves this spy who he knows to fiddle with technology, and that's how he met him. Not handcuffed. Not handcuffed, not restrained. He leaves him there and walks away, and of course this spy starts fiddling with stuff to try and make some doohickey or trap or get out or escape, and that there was so annoying to me. There was no rationalization for it. Even members of our our Discord on Patreon, even they talked about that being a moment where you couldn't help but roll your eyes. And I can't believe it's in the same sequence of events where Amos explains the churn. Yeah, like... You gave the character the best thing he's ever been given in the show to follow it up instantly with the dumbest he's ever acted in the show. It's... It's mind-boggling to me that they did that. And for what? For nothing. There was no real satisfaction of, the spy guy is now going to fiddle. We already knew he was shady. We always knew he was two-faced. We knew that from how he acted before. We knew that how he acted after. We didn't need that beat hit again in the way that it was because all it did was make Amos look like an idiot after giving a speech in which it made him come across as not just scary, but somebody who's thought about life so well that they just are in it. They don't have any worries. Yeah. Another moment in a similar vein to that is the flip of Miller's buddy. Semi. Semi. Uh, And it's just like, oh, he's evil now. Now he's going to act. He killed the dude off screen. He's threatening to kill our characters, so Amos shoots him. So, like, what? Why? why? So that Miller can hate 
the crew in the next season, yeah, spe- so the, specifically there Amos. Need, there needs to be some conflict uh, between them there, especially because they were setting up Amos to get along with Miller. And you you haven't said who, who looked like the idiot there. The thing is, it's Naomi, who yeah. we've known for the whole show at this point, but also mm. that cop guy looked like an idiot too, not because of him acting irrationally. I'm not saying that him acting irrationally and out of fear is inherently idiotic. It's the fact that his character was not presented in any way like that until the moment it needed to happen. He was presented to us as cool as a cucumber, a guy who had it all together, a guy who was willing to get shot in the fucking face to save a crowd of people, and now is completely losing his shit just so that it makes that moment happen, so then we can have drama for the next season. There's a way you could have that happen more naturally. It's not as if it doesn't work when you lay it out on paper. If I explain to you what happened with him and how it happened, you could say, oh, I can see how that works. But it's the execution of it, the pacing of it, and just the 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 absolute dissonance of what he was presented as to what he ended as. It reminded me of the, they fly now. Oh. In Star Wars, in Star uh, Rise Wars. of Skywalker, where they let us know that they fly now, but we already knew that because yep. we've seen other movies. Yeah. Yeah. So those were the kind of moments that were annoying to me in in the series, yeah. outside of the obvious uh, devil of the show that is Havelock, and we'll have plenty to say about Havelock and least favorite things, but uh, what are some of your least favorite things? Are there any that aren't just Havelock-related well, I was I was gearing up to do a Havelock one. Oh, go on. Let's bust, bust it open. The scene with him at the hospital after they find him. Oh, God, I hated that scene. Miller was... So much. Miller was such a weird prick in that scene. For, for why? 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 What did it give us? The, 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 the sex worker... She tries to be a competent character, but she's still treated like shit by both Havelock, Miller, oh, and also the script. I just, that actress is doing her best. Actress is doing her best, but uh, there's one word to describe it, isn't it, Rachel? One word. Embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the peak Havelock scene to me. Um, the crescendo on which they have ended it. For the time being. I fear he comes back. We've been I feel like I've used that word in the wrong way, but No no no, it's a crescendo in terms of all of his shittiness has finally come to that moment because it is the worst of him too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's both a shitty guy because he's now become cynical, but also he's Mr. White Knight moral upstanding pure boy. And I just ugh, ugh. I mean, I'm bitching about it, but Tell me a bit more about why that scene specifically stands out for you. It is about a character that I give no shits about, that I don't like because they were used and thrown away for plot conveniences. He was there for a purpose, and that purpose was audience surrogate and when we no longer needed him 
he died, supposedly, and then he comes back, and then he has a go at Miller, who is like reverting back to what he was like in the first episode when he met Havelock. Mm, where he was shitty. Yeah, and he's just being a prick for no real reason. And it, it it's just lame and embarrassing. And him being, like, the actor tries. No problem with the performances from any of these characters. the script with him being like, don't you insult my girl. You barely know her. I'll come at you. I may be, you know, half dead and in a hospital bed, but don't don't you badmouth her. Don't you badmouth her. The fact that you can boil down the relationship he has with this as a, a sex worker falls in love with a cop because he's not like the other cops and he's the only good <laughs> earth that she's yeah. met before is fucking awful. Yeah. It's shallow, it's it's gross, and they never make it any deeper. No. I doubt that they ever will. If we if we never I, I, see Havelock I again, I will be not only happy, but I'll also be furious because it means they wasted our time. Oh, I am I am happy. I'm happy. I don't want to put any more effort or energy into that character. Nor do I, but I also want it to come across as not this, which is the other least favorite thing of the show for me, which is why the characters sometimes feel a bit stiff. And Havelock is obviously the greatest example of this because he never has anything more. But this is a problem that has been slowly being drained away, but when characters are there to serve function yeah. rather than feel real. Yeah. I love Jared Harris as a performer, but many times Anderson Dawes is just a guy to tell us a theme. He's and to- spouting things at you. He's not a character having a conversation, which I think is why one of the moments that we both enjoyed the most with his character, was when he's talking to the news crew and we see that footage. Yeah. When he's doing those political speeches because it makes sense for the character to be talking in that way because he is talking at people. You know, they're not animals. You have every right to be angry. You should be angry. My, I mean, I've got to say it, my least favourite stuff with Havelock outside of the famous hospital scene was they made it look like he died at the end of an episode only to reveal that they didn't. Yeah. The weakest like, form... Oh, you thought we did a thing, but we didn't do the thing. The weakest, laziest form of bait and switch. The Walking Dead got fucking slammed into the dirt for doing it. I'm not going to hold this uh, to high that yeah. high of accountability because The Walking Dead did it so disgracefully. <laughs> but this here was just, I rolled my eyes at the fact that he was actually alive and in the trash, and I sighed going, oh no, there's going to be more story with this guy. And then there wasn't. Again, I'm of the very different... So op- grateful for that. I'm on the very different opinion to you when it comes to Havelock. I need them to actually fucking make him matter. (laughs) 
Because if they don't, if they don't pick him up again, if they leave him here, if they don't do anything with this character, it means the first season to me for most of it is completely irredeemable. Because as a viewer myself, I need some fucking follow-through and closure on him, or else it is just a blatant trick of the writers to plug in this entity to serve only yeah. that function, and then once it's done, they rip it out and throw it away. I'm fine with that. I can't... I'm fine with them basically hitting safely remove external hard drive on Havelock's character. I think it would make it almost impossible for me to want to watch the first season again, though. Because he does take up so much time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I get what you mean. What was your favorite episode of the season? Salvage. Oh. Episode eight. Really? Yeah. Because you want to know what one I had? Yeah. Salvage episode eight. <laughs> I actually listened back. This is one of the few. Because I edit the episodes, so I don't always get to listen back to them because I've been editing yep. them. But this is one of the ones I listened back to before it published. And I I seem to enjoy the episode well enough. But not only having talked about it, but me listening back to our own conversation gave me a higher appreciation. Because i got to be honest, I thought I, I, I locked mine it, in. It, it, it grew on me. Like, when I was looking back on it, I was just like... Yeah, but that episode had this thing and this thing and it did that thing really well and it was paying off this thing and setting up this thing. Like, all of the parts worked well. I had a bit of a weird bias because episode three, Remember the Cant, I locked in as my favorite. I just went, this was the best episode of the show. And it maintained to be that for quite a while. Yeah. And even after Salvage, I was like, yeah, remember the cant was better. But I think I was just holding on because it, I had that affection towards it because mm. that's when I felt that the show gave me a, a, a solid, like an actual good episode yeah. rather than mm -hmm. one that was good for in the context of being a starting yeah. of the show. And I still hold that as a really good episode. Mm -hmm. I liked the Chris Jen storyline, as mentioned, but I also liked the interrogation on that ship, on the Donager. I liked all of that. And it really gave us some great stuff with Alex and with mm -hmm. Amos. And mm -hmm. I also miss Shed. He was a really fun yeah, character. You, and he you was like a... Shed a lot more than I did. I like that actor. Which is funny because you knew that he was going to die. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. But... So, but what do you like so much about Salvage? So Salvage, just to remind people, is uh, the episode where we have the storylines converge, right? That's at the end. And I love that about it. But what I yep. actually really like is the other stuff happening. So we have that Mormon conversation as gone through already, and that definitely elevates it into being one of my favorite episodes. But it has the crew of the Rossi find that stealth ship, board it, they use the spy as their canary, and they poke Actually and prod him. named Canary on the footage. Yes, which is cute. And they investigate the stealth ship and find the proto-molecule. And you have, as said, Miller is making his way back. Uh, he's making his way to Eros Station, and he gets on there, and he has some shenanigans, and he meets his cop friend, and he gets the information. And then they all meet up, 
there's a shootout, they meet up, and they find out Julie's dead. And uh, yeah, and Chris Jen has some really good stuff happening in that episode too. But mm. it's weird because that's one where those two storylines I just went through more than Chris Jen's were yeah. the stuff I really liked. Which is not typical of your experience with this season. But uh, like the Donkey Balls episode, which I forget which one that was, but I like the Donkey Balls episode too, uh, or at least that plot line, um, it utilized the ongoing storylines. Windmills? Windmills, probably, yeah. It utilized the ongoing storylines. It utilized the science fiction genre and the mysteries to be a great framework for wonderful character stuff. Yes. Really great moments of characterization and insight. And but they're still really doing interesting things. It's not all character, no plot. They found the balance really well in that mm. episode. And I've got to commend that it was one, two, where there's a version where they did all of the dumb things. Yeah. Oh, no. We didn't turn off the proto-molecule, and now it's crawled in my boot, and now we brought it back on the ship. And there's so many stupid choices that could have been made, but they made the right choices. Amos reacted in this way, Mm -hmm. Naomi reacted in that way, Holden said this, and Alex back on the ship. playing to their strengths, and not in a way where it ignores their weaknesses, and it doesn't fall into the trap of creating weaknesses where there wouldn't logically be one. I did like the episodes where they just had one of the plots be a character hanging out, like when they teamed up with Fred Johnson and Alex and Amos just said, no, we're out of here and we're going to the bar and just chilling out. Uh, CQB was also a fun one. Uh, That was more action-centric. And for what it is, the big action, shooty-shooty, blow-em-up type episode. But I did really enjoy it and I really liked the use of Alex's character in that episode as well. And our good Martian friend, the Lopez, he was a good character, and I'm really bummed that he that he didn't make it, and uh, we don't get to see more of that actor. Uh, well, another thing to praise about this series is just they have really good actors in the big roles and in the small roles. What was the worst episode? We've been bagging on the show a lot, but is there an episode that you just look at and say, no thank you? Dulcinea. First one. The first one. That's that's what I wrote down. That's what I locked in. Because it like purely my opinion. But it's it's a pilot that's too much a pilot, so it does a disservice to selling you on the show. I did not care for Back to the Butcher. It gave us the backstory of uh, Fred Johnson, and that's all I got. That's the only episode without Chris Jen in it. It's an episode where we get a fuckload of Havelock crap. I didn't like it. I don't. I will never want to watch it again. I know I will because being the type of person I am, I watch every episode. But hundred percent, I understand. Yeah, that one just. There's nothing. Nothing from it outside of. 
Fred Johnson stuff. I still remember the image of that father and daughter floating in space after the station's been destroyed, and then it pans over to Fred Johnson looking at that. That's memorable. That's really provocative imagery, but I I didn't give a shit about what else was going on than that one, really. Uh, and it's just left me with a bad taste in my mouth when I go, what's a bad episode of... What's an episode of The Expanse? What's a type of episode of The Expanse I don't want? Back to the butcher. You know what we failed to mention? In so- like, at the moment, this is one of, like, the bad moments. Because it... The show has very few loose ends that don't feel deliberate. Like, they're being left so that they can tie into things later on. Mm-hmm. But that kid that got ejected into space. Is he still alive? Is he still out there? Uh, what do you think? Well, okay. I don't know. What's happened with him, do you think? I don't, I don't know. They but must bring him because back. Because I was, I was thinking that because I was like, oh, no, wait, that's in the... Like episode after when we also get we get the rock hoppers cut in, mm. which was sort of a, a new formula that was established with Back to the Butcher. With the flashbacks. That rock hopper kid better come back. I thought he was gonna get tied into a storyline in this yeah, season. Yeah. Knowing nah. this show, knowing this show, they will either do two things. They're going to have some plot line mm. where a character picks him up that we aren't expecting. Yeah. Like the UN pick mm-hmm. him up on their way to go to Fred Johnson. Ooh. Or they're going to do the thing that I really hope they don't do, which is we'll just see him at some location and they'll tell us how he made it out mm. and probably got saved by, I don't know, the OPA because they're everywhere and yeah. now he's full OPA because of his uncle that died screaming out their chant. Now he's like yeah. Anderson Dawes' new right-hand man. Uh, mm. He's the new Julie Mao, uh, but they did uh. it off screen because, you know, who cares about this Hit. guy? He gets scared and he's actually a Martian and he never knew it. Remember that storyline where he was stealing water and we spent a whole yeah. thing on that? No, no, I don't really remember that much. (laughs) I don't think I'm going to be surprised to hear it, but I Mm. want to know, as it is in our list, what is the best... Who's your favourite character? Who's the best character to you, Rachel? Obviously, Avasalara, but who else? Come on. I know, but say him. Say his name. Miller won me over. Miller's your favorite. No, 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 no. I just wanted to throw you off because you were clearly setting me up to say Amos and I wanted to mess with you for a second. Okay, you messed with me good. You got me. No, but I'm really surprised by how much I like Miller. Like, hat off Miller is great. He also made great value for money, great entertainment, really smart. Really funny. Sexy. Like, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm loving hats off Miller. I'm loving hat off Miller. Um, but no, Amos is like the full package for me. And it, like a bunch of it is just because he's hot. So like, you're, you're objectifying him. Yeah. 
because that actor's got big muscles. Yep. Not because the character himself. I I am just admitting that the physicality elevates the character for me quite a bit. I thought so. The guy with big ideas wanted to take on the bad guys. As long as it doesn't cost him anything. What the hell are you babbling about? I'm talking about that clown upstairs that as soon as you cut loose will sell us to the highest bidder. I'm talking about the Mickeys coming through that airlock to take us down. You logged the distress call, Holden. Welcome to the churn. Uh, Chris Jen is obviously my number one girl. Yeah, She's I, the best. I was going to bring her up as one of my runner-ups, but yeah. then you said it as a joke, and I was just like, oh, no, genuinely, she is one of my favorites. I didn't mean it as a joke. We, we've said it explicitly <laughs> that she's our favorite or one of our favorites. Uh, I've said a lot already about her, but brilliant character. She She makes you want more of her with every scene. It's because they withhold her from us, and so I'm hungry yep. for it's more. Only exactly what's needed. Whereas we've felt like we've gotten too much Holden and too much Miller in episodes, especially Hatted Miller. We just wanted to get rid of him. Hatted Miller, you're at it again. Uh, another character I want to give a shout out mm-hmm. is somebody uh, that's a favorite of mine, Not Naomi. I like the I like Naomi well enough. I want more but, from Naomi, like, but Naomi's like mid tier. Yeah, I just want them to give her more. She's yeah. a compelling character, and the the uh, really actress is doing her shines more. I do too. Uh, a character I like a lot is Fred Johnson. I I've mentioned him already being a bright spot, but I really love that character. He has so much gravitas. There's a performance within a performance within a performance with him. He's always got a different face on, and yet I can't make a a, a clear uh, assessment on if he's good or if he's bad. But I know he's trying to do what he thinks is right. Yeah, and, he is and the he more was doing that in the flashbacks that we saw as well. He's a more compelling leader of the OPA to me than Anderson Dawes because I get that. I get that. I can't tell where. Like, I can't tell what I should feel about him. With Anderson Dawes, they make it pretty clear he's a piece of shit. He's a dirtbag. He's a dirtbag, and I shouldn't really like him. Uh, I really like Fred Johnson. That performance, he's so good. I didn't realize how much that actor has been in. Uh, he, I looked him up, and yeah, he's in the Orville as my least favorite character there, but it just gives you, uh, it just shows off how powerful the writing is when you give it to the actor, where here, he's given less screen time, but he leaves a lasting impression than, say, some of our other leading characters who get more. Like, again... There are people in Miller and Holden and even Christian storylines who you could argue get the same amount of stuff or, or, or more screen time, and they mean less to me than Fred. I, I just really Aaron like Wright. him. Aaron Wright's good. Like he, By design, he's eh, supposed to be innocuous until eh, the end, right? And it's just like, okay, more, more stuff will be happening with him. He's just going to be a part and an obstacle to Avasalara. Hey, we know. But that Fred feels much more than that. He has 
uh, an interesting backstory and so much potential. So I've got to say him. And I like Alex. Alex I want more from. I think I like Alex because of his performance and yeah. his character is very jovial by design. Yes. He's not such a sad boy. Oh, him trying to do the magic trick and failing was such a cute moment. It was. Him being a dad to oh, that yeah. little him girl being... doing the dad tricks was also, really nice. the moment of him being like... I was just basically a bus driver, guys. Come on. <laughs> After having a whole episode where he's pull- putting on the I'm a Martian soldier, you don't mess with me, I can fuck you up. It was so funny to see him turn around in the next episode and be like, I don't know, I'm just a bus Ryan. driver. I'm very excited because I think this next part is going to be our shortest segment. And so I would like for us both to say our least favorite character on the count of three. I wonder if the people listening at home can guess who it is. Please write in. Can you say it at the same time, guys? Can you say it at the same time, guys? Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Have Have luck. Fucking garbage character. I think we've talked about it enough. We've given him more attention than the show ever has. I know. I know, which is why I want to make this the shortest bit. His fight's a fucking crime, that character. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say anything. Can we just go on to the next bit? I am happy to go on to the next bit because if we do talk about Havelock more... I'm going to have to get in my car, grab a pair of handcuffs, and find whoever fucking wrote The Expanse. Biggest surprise. Biggest surprise is the the next part. Do you want to share yours or hear mine first? Uh, my biggest surprise with The Expanse, uh, I've already kind of gone over that, that tone and that kind of sci-fi cheese. But another thing that I'm actually quite um, surprised about was was uh, Holden as a main character. I didn't know what a main character was going to be like, and then I made a very quick assessment of what he was and how they were using him, and then they slowly over time have uh, peeled back the layers of why he is this archetype, why he is this yeah. way, and... I don't know too much about the book series, but people we know have that he's s- worse in the books. People have constantly said to us, "He's more boring in the books. In the like, show, oh, they're giving him more, which is fucking he's really bonkers. boring here." So I can't imagine how fucking boring he is in the books. But that was a huge surprise to me that Holden actually would have more layers to him. Now, it sounds obvious because he is the protagonist and that's what you should have in your protagonist, but we went six episodes or so and he Mm -hmm. was just... Dull. Dull in the way that I have seen be dull. I've watched Enterprise, okay? Um, I know what a boring lead protagonist character, uh, white boy with with a boring haircut looks like, okay? Archer's worse because we know Scott Bakula is a great actor. Yeah, that, that does make it worse. And yet, for four seasons, he just oh, mean God. mugging to the camera, being charmingless, like no charm. No, no charm. I have two. One being Hatless Miller, 
being the fucking best mm. and completely basically turning me around on that character. Yeah, I've kind of picked up that vibe from you. Yep. The other is how much I am in love with the space politics. And I just want more of it. I want more Avasalara. I want more UN. I would love a whole, like, Aaron Wright on his own scene. I would really like that. Mm. I am looking forward to what happens with the UN ship that's heading towards Fred Fred Johnson, Mm. and I am very interested to see, like, and watch Avasalara play Avasalara for the audience of Erin Wright and the UN. I want to meet the Secretary General. We haven't met the, the head honcho. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that so far. I feel like we'll get them when we need them, and we don't need them quite yet. But I'm really hoping that we do next season. I hope it's not a, like, no, you can wait some more. No, you can wait some more. No, you can wait some more. I can see it being a case of we see him in the news and then when we finally yeah. meet the characters in season three, yeah, I, because I feel I can, like season two is going to be Avasalara and Aaron Reich duking it out. But maybe you should bring in the head honcho to help give a third party to that. Another surprise to me is the music that you and I have had a difference of opinion on, which is you find it too overbearing yeah. and too much of uh, explaining I how to do. feel. And I find it's it beautiful, so... though. It is beautiful. And yet I'm on the opposite end where I think it is so non-existent that I just I don't pay attention to it. Like I never realized it's, it's there. Obviously it is. I can play you clips of it being bombastic in scenes, but it leaves such little impression on me that I, I, I don't even make a note of it when we are doing our discussions, yeah. unless you bring it up specifically <laughs> yeah. because it's just there. And, and that's mm. a real detriment. And I've said this before of the first season having these condensed opening credits. Mm. We had the opening credits for the first episode and the last episode, like the full opening credits, and it gave me a wonderful sensation of what the music is, and yet it is robbed from us in those other episodes. (laughs) And so internally, I just check out of Mm -hmm. even noticing it, and yet for you, it is one of your big critiques that you've had throughout our discussions. I'm gonna I'm gonna read directly from my notes. As good as they say, it was fine. The expanse is told to many people out there to be like the really good shows. It is good, you know, and so we're left with is it as good as they say? I don't know too much about what people think of, of the first season specifically. Yeah. I know that it has a mixed reception. People have said to me, it gets good in this episode. Yeah. And then another person says, no, it gets good in this episode. And it's a completely I, different I, one. I didn't get that insight other than from you. 
you mostly left that until like we were past the points <laughs> that people were talking about. But yeah, I I I don't know. Um, yeah, as a series as a whole, right now, uh, it's not as good as they say. As a first season to a science fiction show, it's, it's as solid. It's as good as they say for it's, any first seasons of a science enough. fiction show. If somebody said to me, "Hey, you should check out this first season," yeah. it's a it's pretty good for for a, a sci fi show's first season. I'd say, yeah, you know what. Yeah, it is pretty yeah. pretty decent. Like, like it's not the best thing I've ever seen as a, as a whole, but as an entry point, it's fine. When it's, I say that it's fine. Like it's not me damning with faint faint praise or anything like that. It is just that it is a solid enough show. It's a solid first season. There is a lot that they are trying to get off the ground. And the fact that they managed to by the end of the first season is a feat in itself. We're the Yum Yum Podcast because we love looking for the Yum Yum moments. And in this show, it is when you lick your lips, flick your hair, and say, mm, now that was Yum Yum. Yum Yum has a, an, an innate sexual quality to it so for you what was the sexy moment of the season what was that moment where you just took a step back looked at your collar and said i'm getting hot under here and said yum yum okay this is not mine but i think we need to acknowledge holden's introduction via a zero g sex scene wow 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 I thought the show was going to be so much hornier because I of that. Know, right? We got introduced to sex workers in the first episode. We've got zero G sex. We've got all of, oh my God. And let's be realistic here. Naomi wears an outfit that's kind of like, hey, she's a sexy girl. Look at her in her hey, overalls and the zippy cleavage. cleavage and cleavage, please. Look at her bum. There's many shots of her. Look at her yes. bum. Um, the show knows to be horny, but very, very minorly. It's yeah. so strange because he really does. That first episode sets you up. Yes. It's going to be horny, guys. And I was sitting there going, okay, it's a sci-fi show. Oh, Let's it's like, it oh, his, his his girlfriend died, so the boner of the whole show was died. That is it. The and Miller is too much of a drunkard and a weird little goblin to be horny. He could have slept with his ex partner, but he's a good man. But he says no. Nah, for he me, no. The yum yum moment, a moment that I'm like, mm, okay, nice. Was was honestly when when Miller, I know it's Miller. I know I just I I crap on the character, but Thomas Jane can just have such a such a sexy quality to him, mm. and it is the bit where he introduces himself to the gang, and he has his big gun there, and he's saying like they ask him, "Are you a cop?" And he's Mister, I used to be. And I just, oh boy, that is just like an action movie style sexy thing there. And Thomas Jane has been in action movies. He was the Punisher once. And you can see those skills as a performer mm-hmm. just just 
emanate off the screen in that moment like nobody else. That was, to me, that whole shootout sequence, I thought it was pretty, pretty raw, pretty cool, and just badass in a way where I'm just like, yeah, that's the shit I need. And then that introduction for him to that group, I was just... I was just smacking in between my legs saying, stop being so hard at how hard this scene is. Okay. I think, I, like, there are many Amos moments that, that, that I could pick. But I think the one, that, the one that's coming to the front of my mind now is him saying... Yes, boss. To Naomi. For me, like that's a recency bias thing. Fully recognize that, but that's the one that's coming to mind. I think he says it a lot. He he do, he does he does, but like specifically after he he shoots that man. Namus has never been sexier to me than when he was willing to shoot Holden in the back of the yes! head. I know I've grown to like Holden oh. more, but that was sexy as fuck. Yeah, yeah Amos, just oh. shoot this dork. The ba- badass boy. Ah, uh, mm. badass boy. When he's just like, when Holden's like, we can't just go in there shooting. And he's like, why not? Oh, when the Martians are going to board? Yeah. And no, then- when they were on... Uh- uh, Eros, Eros oh, well, that was, off. Yeah, that was Naomi. Naomi was like, we can't go in there and shoot. And he is Mr. Sure we can. Sure we can. Yeah, we can do that. And then Miller just goes in. Yeah, well, yeah. Miller's not there. It's um the the cop guy starts a fight and then they start shooting each other I'm up. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Because I want to hear your predictions for season two of The Expanse. Oh, uh, uh, and a prediction I have is the rock hopper guy will come back in the season and he mm-hmm. will be important to the show. I think yeah. I think I think he's going to cross paths with Miller again. I think he is going to be picked up by the OPA. That's my prediction. I don't want it the way I said it earlier, but I can see it happening. Here's my prediction because he's just this weird element that's left floating there. Yeah, so it's like why why bother establishing him surviving if you aren't going to do something with it. Uh we we briefly touched on it. We think that there's going to be um uh, a squaring off between Ava Solara and Erin Wright. So we think we're gonna get um a little bit more consistency when it comes to his appearances throughout the next season. Do you agree? I agree. I agree. Another element that I think will be recurring in the show, because I can see this being the case, because they made that set for a series station, and it's clearly been redressed or repurposed for Eros Station, right? Yeah. And so I can see that going forward, each Mm. season will have one major location be yeah. the thing that we revolve around for the for the mm-hmm. time we're there. So first Fair. season it was series, right? And we had the yeah. Rossi flying around doing its thing in space. But we were always cutting back to series and always cutting back to Earth. 
Yeah. And I can imagine it will be Eros will be the thing that we keep coming back to because Mm -hmm. they've left enough there for our heroes to come back to. There's still people that aren't infected or at least uh, infected that we know of. And we saw this weird monstrous creature there and uh, it would be bizarre to me if I, our characters flew away from that and didn't come yeah. back. A very practical thing that I think is going to be answered is what is in the safe that they took from the Anubis. Yeah, I wonder Because they re-establish that. that when they get back onto the Rossi mm. in the final episode. We need to see the UN confront Fred Johnson. They've been they've been teeing that up, and I need yep. to see it. I we, need to see it happen. I need to see, and my my other big prediction: we get to see inside the Mormon ship. We've been getting tiny glimpses Ooh, of it. I had down. I we need, aren't done with the Mormons yet. We, we can't be done with the Mormons. We can't yet. be done with the Mormons yet. So it's, I feel like that's a very safe prediction but yours is a bit more specific with we're gonna get the inside of the ship and i think that that would be really cool i have one last one okay and i have a question in relation to predictions in the future so uh what's your last major prediction well like it's pretty obvious to both of us but kenzo isn't gone He's been absorbed into. Yep. Oh, he has a name, Kenzo. I I love calling him Spy Guy. Yeah, it just is, we, we just it's more enjoyable. Spy. I I just I wrote it down because I was like looking at uh, at the character lists, and being like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen to this person, this person. And I was like, oh, that's right, he does have a name, Kenzo. That does have. And then when I was like looking back over my notes before we started, I was like, who the fuck is Kenzo? Uh, so uh, another prediction, since you mentioned that, uh, I will follow up on my previous one. Julie will come back as a spore version of spore herself. Spore ghost? A spore ghost or a clone. Spore shadow. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, I <laughs> hope in season two that they will give us an explanation of what they're trying to use the proto-molecule for. Yes. Uh, but my Who question, made it may be answered, probably Yeah, not. I don't know if it's a, somebody made it like extraterrestrial aliens or if it's alien in the fact of it's a little microbe thing that they found on a rock yeah. and they've exploited it. But Where did it come from? Well, yeah, the Phoebe station stumbled across it there. So, yeah. uh, But my question to you is, mm-hmm. with each season of a show, there's always the possibility of adding characters to the ensemble do you think in season two we'll have new main cast characters be added um no i think some of the minor characters might get more time and i do think we're probably going to have some that appear for for a little while and either die or are ejected like our boy Havelock. I see that. I I see that happening more than a new character coming in and staying. Mm, I think we're going to have... That's what I'm thinking so far. I think we're going to have 
uh, an OPA character because oh, a new if, OPA. Yeah, because Fred Johnson can't be that no. currently. And why I'm saying that is because. If we're moving away from series station, mm, and doors, that means doors. There. That means doors would be less likely to be mm. in the show as a Maybe. main main because somebody he knows lives there. Naomi. Yeah, probably right. If she is OPA, well, I mean she is probably. But I could also mm-hmm. see it as if they do team up with Fred Johnson again, he's going to insist mm. on having one of his guys. Yeah. Maybe that hacker lady. Yeah. I liked her. She was fun. She was good. She was good. They established her well enough, but all, no. just somebody be like, but, okay, I need you. Wouldn't it be funny? I need you to put this guy on here and it's a Mormon. Yeah, oh I think my that's God. a very interesting Wouldn't question. it be great if we got a Mormon main character? <laughs> I mean that unironically. I think that would I know, be really I know, fascinating. I know, I know, I know you do. I know you do. You know, if you identify the fear, you can get past it. And then you get used to it. I've been flying once a month for the past year and a half. Salesman? No, I'm, I'm preparing myself for the Nauvoo. Nauvoo. Mm. Mormon. Yes. A different kind of salesman. <laughs> but don't hold that against me. Season one of The Expanse. A yum yum or a yum. Yum is bad. Yum yum is good. No half yums. I I have to be honest. I said that it was fine. Mm. It is. It is. And uh, it's enjoyable enough and of a quality that I feel okay giving it a yum yum. Yum yum. I give this, on a scale of yum being bad and yum yum being good, a yum. Yum. Havelock specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all knew the words were going to come out of my mouth, but I I really am not joking. I'm not messing with you. That aspect of this season was was an anchor on the shoe of this show and dragged it down to the bottom of the sea. It was just... the shoe? Yeah, an anchor on the shoe. An anchor dragging you down. Oh no, it's got caught on my shoe and now I'm being thrown overboard and I'm going all the way down to the bottom of the sea and I'm drowning. That character was just a weight. He was just... I I, I get the metaphor. Fucking boring and tedious. And it's not just his character. As stated, it is showing me the hand of the writers and yeah. I do not want to see the hand of the no, writers. No, no, no. We we don't we don't want to see those strings or those hands. Now, again. we as people who are analytical like to see those, but we like to see those in terms of appreciation and we like to reflect upon like, how the writers and the production and the actors have made our enjoyment come to be. But yeah. this is a case where it was how they've given us displeasure actively. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I am sorry to everyone. I like the show well enough, but yeah. I wasn't as impressed with this first season. I, I wanted more, but that specifically, that element no, poisoned I, to me. I, I, I totally get it. And I think you can get why I end up where on you the, end up. On the other side of the fence. I want to say a massive thank you to our patrons who uh, 
got to hear this first. Our patrons. And, got, and for the support of the podcast so that we can spend our time uh, watching and creating it, watching shows and creating these podcasts for you. Yeah. I just want to say, uh, with in regards to our patrons, a huge shout out to that community. We have had many great discussions about uh, what we have gone through. People have been watching some of the episodes along with us and giving us their thoughts on things. Yeah. Everyone in it thus far are people that have watched the show before. Mm-hmm. So uh, that has been exhilarating in the fact that everyone's been good with not giving us spoilers yes, and been keeping very, their mouth very supportive closed in and giving me the giving us the occasional information drop in terms of like mainly like here's a little bit of a difference between this and the book like oh yeah. the book tells it from this character like character's points of views mm-hmm. more i'm like okay mm-hmm. i can see that being an obstacle to adapt yeah. for television and they've done it pretty well but yeah. I just wanted to give a shout out in that regard of just how wonderful the community has been and uh, how much people have been enjoying what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. We like to try and always come at shows with that analytical lens as well as just saying how we felt during it as well as what we Mm -hmm. think about it. Uh, And for people out there who are listening to this on the main feed, the thanks goes to you as well uh, for listening, for supporting us, for tuning in. Uh, it means the world. It's uh, really important, and uh, we thank you so much for that. You can follow us on your social media of choice, Yum Yum Pod or Yum Yum Podcast. We post on there regularly. Yeah. You can uh, email tune- us at yumyumpod at gmail.com. You can tune into the show on whatever podcasting site you like to use, and we're even on YouTube. All of this is in the description below under we Yum Yum Pod or Yum Yum Podcast. Yes, we make it easy. It's all in the description. And a link to the Patreon's there too. Yes, a link to the Patreon is there <laughs> as well. And if you have not rated and reviewed the show as well as shared it around, that would be awesome. It would be spectacular. But we have to go now because our favorite character is yelling obscenities at us for not mentioning him once during this discussion. No, you. We we knew we, we knew he would have his little spotlight at the end. The gaunt belter is screaming at me, saying, "You filthy dusters! You know that I'm going to be the new protagonist in season two, and you're too afraid to say that on the mic." Well, I'm sorry, gaunt belter. I, I was I was afraid to to show my bias for you, but now that you've told me that you're going to be the main character of season two, I can't wait to tune in. See you then. Well, voila. <laughs> <laughs>